Hello, and welcome back to Makers.dev, episode number 22. Chris, we weren't here last week. What happened? That's right. Uh, I went to a cabin in the woods for a, a week, uh, and that was very nice. Uh, it was with the family, and we just went and didn't do very much. We saw a bunch of frogs and fish and <laughs> had campfires. Yeah, it was good. That sounds idyllic. That sounds like the optimal way to spend time. The, the reason we're doing all this well, no, that's not true because I, I really enjoy the work. But that's a, an important part of life is like slowing down and uh, getting out of the out of your regular groove and uh, <laughs> looking at bullfrogs and fish. Uh, that, yeah, that, that sounds so cool. Yeah, it was fun. This these last two weeks, I had two life events happen that were really fun. My uh, younger of my two younger sisters got married, and the elder of my two younger sisters uh, had a gender reveal party. So there's Lots of lots of family stuff happening. Uh, it was so much fun. Lots of family time and like played a bunch of games and uh, there was dancing at the wedding and the gender reveal party was in Corpus Christi on the beach and that was a whole bunch of fun and uh, just like a whole bunch of time spent doing things I don't usually do and reconnecting with like oh yeah there's <laughs> I can do a lot of things and a lot of work and have fun with things that have nothing to do with computers. Uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot spending time with families consistently very fulfilling and helps me get perspective on my life yep yeah same here um it does not push the work forward but it pushes life forward so yeah that's always good i think it does push the work forward if you're if you get too caught up in it it depends like if if it's very clear that you're going in the right direction and that uh, your assumptions about the world are correct, then like, yeah, the most effective thing you can be doing is just sitting down and working as hard and as fast as you can. But the world changes so fast and my internal world is so complicated. And there there are at any given point a million different directions I can go in that like taking time out to do something else and to question those, uh, well, to not not explicitly, but to, to give myself the bandwidth and the space to question the things that I'm doing and just kind of let ideas percolate and uh, with no pressure kind of think about, okay, well, what, what does make the most sense to spend time on and which of these million directions does make sense to, to push forward on? Uh, I think that is pushing the work forward because it's helping me define what the most important direction is to go forward. Uh, so I, I very consistently when I take time to just do something completely different, I, I walk away from it with a... Uh, New clarity on the direction I'd like to be moving in. And this last break was no exception. <laughs> I uh, may surprise you and listeners by saying I am rejuvenated in working on File Inbox again. And I have a whole bunch of things I'd like your hot take on. Uh, and I also have a firm justification for why I'm excited about it again. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to, to go into that. Uh, but first, wh what was your last two weeks like? What were you thinking about? did you have any insights of directions that you'd like to move in or uh did you did you uh think of a, a new angle on your ai problem of how you can win this contest yeah yeah so uh first yeah you're totally right um that taking time off really can focus you um it's the same reason like i take walks in the middle of the day because well one it's healthy and two um it is really good to just take a step back and sort of think about your problem while not doing the problem for a while. Um, mm -hmm. And walks almost always help, you know, that in some way. Um, so, yeah, last week, uh, 
first I'll say, you know me so, so well, uh, at the end of the episode, uh, I said, I wanted to do some API work and meeting place. And, uh, you said I won't, and I didn't. <laughs> so, uh, even though I, uh, told everyone I was going to, um, I didn't, uh, instead I worked on the AI, the calculus problem. Um, I'll give myself some slack cause I was off, you know, as well. Um, you know, preparing for the vacation, going on vacation and getting back from it. Um, but yeah, so I did AI the whole week before the vacation. Um, and update on that. So there's 900 people in the contest competition. Okay. I was in like 200th place or so. Okay. I'm now in seventh place. Holy um, cow. So That's way great. up there. Um, All right. If I finish in the top 10, you get what's like called a gold and then you get extra Kaggle points or whatever. Um, All so right. I really want to finish in the top 10 now. Um, but yeah, so seventh place feels good. Um, uh, let's see what else. Uh, okay. So because I didn't do meeting place though, um, I signed up for this thing that Alex Hillman puts on. This is the same Alex Hillman that does 30 by 500 with, um, Amy. Uh, so Amy and Alex, he is starting, or I guess this is the second iteration of something called work in progress. Um, mm -hmm. it's a paid community basically. And, um, so I'm going to pay some money every month to be part of this work in progress cohort where you basically hold each other accountable. That's the, basically the whole thing. Um, and there are some extra things like, you know, they give advice. They have sessions like um, for, you know, when you have business problems, you can come to the session with a problem and, and sort of talk about it and stuff. But it's mostly just to, you know, I am paying money to have someone say, did you do this thing yet? <laughs> that's, that's basically what that is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's going to be this, this whole summer, basically. And I plan to spend about half my time pushing forward the AI stuff and about half the time doing this uh, work in progress cohort with the SaaS uh, stuff. So yeah, that's my update. Chris, I didn't know the thing you needed was to pay someone money. You, <laughs> I, I should have made this clearer before. You can be paying me money to, to be on this podcast if that's what you need. Uh, uh, I'd like to, to talk about the, the AI first. Uh, seventh is fantastic out of that many hundreds of people. What was the breakthrough? What uh, Was it a series of things or did you combine a whole bunch of smaller things? Yeah, it was kind of a series of things. I, I knew that I was heading in a good direction and I just had to get there. And so there's a lot of pre-processing. Um, my approach is kind of an iterative one. And so it gets better at every step. And so at every step, I'm able to produce better data that I feed into my model that then goes back into my my um, my model. Um, okay. And so be, because of that, also, I'm not, I'm not done, basically. Like, I know the next 10 steps to do. And there's a month left of the contest. I should be able to improve my score. Um, mm -hmm. The problem is everyone else is doing it at the same time. So, you know, mm. basically like if I, if I did nothing else, I'd probably finish in the bottom or, you know, out, out of 20th place or so, I think. Um, so I have to keep, keep going to maintain my spot, but yeah, it's just a lot of little things, basically nothing, nothing too crazy. We got to get you those cackle points. That's right. <laughs> those, those sweet monkey points. Uh, I'm curious about work in progress. I, I think I've seen a tweet from Alex on that, but I uh, didn't dig into it to see what it was. What's the what's the format of that? Is it like a weekly check-in or is it posts or is it video calls? How does that work? So I think there's there's multiple things and there's multiple things based on how much you pay. Um, okay. There's all the way from like you're just part of the Discord basically um, all the way up to like personalized one-on-one -on -one sessions with Alex, um, which are very expensive. <laughs> so I didn't do that. I did like the middle one basically. Um, and so I... I think it, it, uh, and I signed up like I read it once basically. And I was like, Oh yeah, I need this. Um, it is a, a check-in with a group of up to like 12 people maybe. And then also smaller group sessions with like three different people. Um, and then there's like 
well, I can just pull it up and, and show you. <laughs> it's join working join wip.com, I think. We will link this in the show notes too. Yep. Um, and it's already, I think it, uh, it's closed for this round. Like it's already like the, um, applications or whatever are closed for this round, but yeah. So you get a round table, private discord, um, a cohort of people that are doing it along with you. Um, and then you have these spotlight sessions, um, where you can basically bring, bring things to the group and, and they can try to help you. So. Neat. What is the project that you're bringing to this group? What's the thing that you want to be held accountable? Yeah. So I think it is going to be meeting place. Um, meeting place is still the one when I think about all the things that I'm doing that, you know, actually has traction and actually has people paying for it. And if I hit it right, then that could be the, the full-time SAS. And so, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be working on like, so acorn chat, I still want to finish up some stuff with that. I still have a couple other things, but meeting place is what I'm going to focus on during the work in progress sessions. It's funny we both had like a coming home yeah. uh, these last two weeks of like okay let's <laughs> I'm consistently amazed like we don't talk very much uh, between podcasts and then we'll come together once uh, a week and be like oh my gosh we, we like had the same sort of thing and uh, oh we both had these these wacky divergent projects and then uh, both coming back to the thing like these are the projects we started this podcast on this is the uh, this is what it lists that we're doing on makers.dev yeah. <laughs> uh and we're we're going back to it neat uh so i guess i guess preempting you for that then what what is the work that makes the most sense for you to be doing on meeting place i agree that this is the thing that you have that has the most traction is what what projects are in your mind that make sense to work on next yeah so um it's going to be a lot of marketing stuff and marketing adjacent things and so i still think like getting docs um getting you know, making it obvious that meeting place is a place where you can host a meetup group and, um, like all, like all the things that people ask me about it before they sign up, making that obvious front and center. Um, so it's, it's a lot of stuff I know how to do. It's kind of like the AI stuff, right? I kind of know all the steps. I just, I got to do all the steps. And, mm-hmm. um, so a lot of that, uh, there's going to, I want to do some, there's some technical work too, but it's, it's mostly marketing and, um, that kind of stuff. Cool. That makes sense. Does that feel clear to you? You you glazed a little bit over like ah marketing. It's <laughs> just perpetually that's been a thing on my on my to do list. Uh, and if it's as broad as marketing, it doesn't get done. Uh, and you brought up some examples of specifics of like okay you could you could address specific questions people have when they're signing up and put that on the homepage. Uh, is the is the cognitive work done there? Like you actually do know the next step you would need to do. You uh, for so for that task I imagine like. I don't know, you you have a list of the questions people ask you and you just write a blurb for each of those on the homepage. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. So for, for that one, yeah, I, I kind of bucketed it in a few different categories. So that one, yes, that's basically what it is. Um, I also want to write content about things like, you know, how to run a great remote group, um, how to mm-hmm. come back. For, so I think something big is going to be how to come back from COVID, you know, how to revitalize your group after you start being in person again. And I don't know exactly when that'll hit, you know, like maybe it's six months, maybe it's a year, mm-hmm. you know, but at some point, a lot of groups who have been remote for a year are going to come back and realize that a lot of people aren't engaging again. So I think there's a lot of content around how do you get an in-person group going again. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. And then, and then generally, uh, docs. So, um, and especially bottom of the funnel docs. So this is like, you know, like how, how to create a group even, you know, with videos and a walkthrough and then, you know, how to basically whatever people are going to search for when they're starting a group, 
make a doc page for that um, yep. and have exactly how to do it. Uh, oh, and cool. then, so sorry, so that that was half of it. The, the second half is yeah. is active reach out. So um, I I could do a lot more to actively reach out to organizers of. Um, I, I had this whole plan when I started meeting place about like how to get in front of organizers and then organizers tend to know other organizers. And so it's generally easy to get at least one, uh, like recommend or like, um, warm lead when you talk to organizers. So if I just do that a bunch, then I can just talk to a yeah. bunch of organizers and, and, um, so yeah, I need to execute on that plan, which I, I created uh, a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. Who is in that pool of organizers? Are you reaching out to people on meetup who aren't happy with meetup or are you reaching out to people who don't even have a, an online presence who's who is that audience um there's kind of three categories of people one is people i already know and so that's like the indianapolis meetup uh area community mm -hmm. and I, I already have several indianapolis tech meetups on there um and i know more people um in the indianapolis tech meetup space so that's mm -hmm. kind of like people i already know Second is like people who complain about meetup on Twitter. And that is how I've gotten some of my best uh, customers so far um, is if they complain about meetup on Twitter, then, and I chime in at the right time, then I can engage them. So I probably need like mm -hmm. Twitter alerts for that kind of thing. Um, and then third is, yeah, people who run meetup groups who may or may not be looking for a, um, you know, somewhere to go. So, and that's how like warm leads is the best way I found to, to get in front of those people. Cool. Okay, so I heard three different categories of people, local people who you know in Indianapolis, uh, people on Twitter who are complaining about something on Meetup, and then there may be people who already run Meetups probably on Meetup who are looking for somewhere to go. I'm thinking like, you know, a, a forum post that's asking how do you do X on meetup.com, and at the end of the thread, they're like, you can't, this isn't supported on Meetup. That'd be a great place to chime in and be like, oh, actually, you know, I yeah. have my own thing, and it does that. Right uh does that sound right yep cool this this sounds very actionable it sounds like things you do like today like setting up a twitter alert what does that alert look like just anyone who mentions meetup and then you get an email uh that would be really noisy um i could do that so a lot of people use it's called tweet deck what's what's the yeah so a lot of people use that with keywords um mm -hmm. which maybe i'll i could do so it's not it doesn't ping you every time because you know but it when you're there you see a column of meetup related tweets yeah, but that makes sense. Okay. And then like once a day, you check that and reply to ones that look interesting. Yeah. I like that as a tactic. I am going to blatantly steal that from you. Uh, tweet deck notification. And I think I could do that with like share file. Cool. I'll, I'll take into that later. Uh, and then local people, is, is there a list of people that come to mind that you want to reach out to? Is, is that like an email that you send? Is that a phone call? Yeah. So I... I'll start with emails to all the existing organizers just to like, I sort of did this once before. Um, I can basically talk to them whenever I want, like they're my friends. And so I talk to them. Um, and then after I know that they're solid, then I can start reaching out to other people who I know who run groups who have expressed, expressed an interest in coming over, but haven't. Um, a lot of that was COVID too. So at, at least two or three groups were like, uh, I want to switch. And then COVID hit and they're just like, eh. <laughs> so um, yeah, maybe I could see, you know, now that, uh, you know, things are winding down. Well, I don't, I don't know. COVID's still here to stay for a while. Um, and there's going to be hybrid groups. Even when people go back in person, there's going to be hybrid groups for a long time. Um, yep. So if I can help them with their game plan, uh, if I can help any organizer with their game plan uh, for how to be hybrid, how to go, how to start back in person, that kind of thing. Um, I can see that as being very valuable. 
I love that because that to me would feed directly into the content that you could make. Uh, so every conversation you have with them, just record it, yeah. have a notepad and, uh, you know, for whatever topic that comes up of, you know, any, any time they express a frustration or a question that they have of, oh, but I don't know, do I need to provide masks uh, at the meetup? Uh, okay, well, great. That's a question they just asked. That's a, a thing that I don't know the answer to that provably now people in your audience are asking this question. Okay, that becomes a piece of content. Make an article about it. And uh, you're, I think we're both very well-versed in video. I think the, the format you have for doing like the, the Twitter style uh, little short summary videos of things is a perfect format to just plop that at the top of the article. And then you can also tweet about it. And the thing you're talking about is like, you know, should you provide masks? And you just answer that question. Uh, the the 30 by 500 way to do this, uh, they call it an e-bomb. It's this idea of like content marketing. You, you just make it nice and crispy of like, this is the exact question they're asking and I'm directly answering it and we're done. <laughs> and, right. You know, maybe there's a, an email sign up at the, at the bottom of like, uh, would you like my guide on the 10 steps you need to rehydrate your group after COVID to make it an in-person group? Something that like someone reading that article would also have those questions. And now you have emails and now you can put people on that email list through a sequence uh, and uh, that that funnel eventually leads to that they've signed up for meetup.com. I think that's the play. How does that sound? Yeah, that's great. Um, I should do that. <laughs> I'll add that to my list of things. <laughs> yeah. But will you? Uh, the, the way the way to make sure you do it is like, okay, the, the, the very next actionable step that I heard here was there's local people you have who you can reach out to at any time who are your friends who it sounds like might be starting to uh, put their meetups back in action again, uh, starting as hybrid groups. So the way to start that would be like reach out to them and just ask for a catch-up call. Is that the next step? Yeah, I think so. Um, and cool. it's probably, for the groups I know, it's probably at least a few months out. Um, but it's start something that people are generally starting to think about. Like, when can we go back in person? Yeah, what exactly do we have to do? Um, so yeah, it's probably, if I had to guess, it would be after the summer. Like, people generally take light summers anyway. But my yeah. guess is in fall, we'll start seeing more hybrid groups. Cool. But I don't want you to guess. I want you to give me customer quotes. I want you to tell me what, what your friends are thinking. Good point. Good point. Uh, what what would it take to get one of those calls scheduled for this week? Uh, a Slack message. To, to one Slack of message. Yeah. Or an email. Yeah. Cool. Can we do that today? Can I, can I send out the Slack message email? Sure. Today? I will do that for you, Christian. Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm your, your boss again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> telling you telling you what to do. Yeah. This, I'm going to need this exact same thing for uh, what I'm about to talk about with file inbox. Uh, cool. And then Twitter alerts also sounds like a thing that you could do today. Uh, just add like a column in TweetDeck for yeah. Meetup, I guess. I don't use so TweetDeck. It's TweetDeck.Twitter or what is it? Yeah, TweetDeck.Twitter.com. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't use that normally, um, but everyone says it's really good. So I think I have to change my... I even, or I even have it already set up. I'm just looking at it now. I already have some columns set up. <laughs> and so I just oh, have to use go. TweetDeck instead of the main Twitter homepage. And I think uh, already good on that one. How might we enable future Chris to check TweetDeck instead of the Twitter homepage? Could you like, could you redirect? I was, I was about to say, I go to Twitter by typing TW enter. And so yeah. um, if 
I can make Chrome go to TweetDeck instead of Twitter, then I'll just use TweetDeck. <laughs> so cool. Okay. Do you use the uh, the Chrome homepage? Do you have anything on there right now? No, it's I use it. Uh, it's just blank. Could we set up TweetDeck as your new tab page? Uh, so it just yes, but I might waste more time if every new tab <laughs> shows. Oh, that's uh, fair. Shows Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, that that makes sense. Oh, you have. Hmm. Could you? Could you not use the Twitter homepage at all? Like, what if you set up a redirect so that anytime you tried to go to Twitter.com, yeah. it redirects you to TweetDeck? Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. That's what I think I could do. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yep. Perfect. Neat. That sounds like uh, a thing you could do today. And then this, the third one you said was a little fuzzier. People who run meetups and maybe looking for somewhere to go. Yeah. I, you, you'd be encountering those people on TweetDeck, uh, but I'm, I'm thinking more of like, forum posts or something what's what's the habit that we could install that would get you more exposed to those uh, people so that is generally at least my idea is to every time i talk to someone who runs a group ask who else they know who runs groups and then talk to those people okay. so that's okay. yeah warm referrals um that was my idea for that uh, i think forum posts or like quora or something is a great idea too something i didn't really consider um so maybe i'll do some i should probably do some research also so let's add to my list you know just look to see where and how many questions are being asked about things meetup can't do uh like uh the one of the biggest ones is meetup does not let you download your list of uh member emails unless you pay them a whole bunch of money <laughs> and so like you just can't do it um mm. and people are upset about that and that's one of the reasons they switch to the meeting place and so if i could somehow get a whole bunch of forum posts that all ask that question and then put an answer <laughs> that is uh you can do it if you host your group on meeting place um, then that would probably be time well spent. Perfect. That sounds good. I have a tool that I made on that third point based off of taking 30 by 500 that, uh, <laughs> it was, I, I want to explain why I'm laughing. Uh, the, the, there's an exercise that we needed to do as part of 30 by 500 that was to find watering holes, to find places like forums and like, uh, discussion boards and like uh, Quora answers of people in our audience asking questions. And in the exercise, they explicitly said, do not use a tool to automate this. Like, here's the process. You're going to type out each of these things. Uh, don't use a tool because that's going against it. And I asked them why. And they were like, well, Google can sometimes autocomplete things that you weren't thinking about. But you know me. <laughs> I just can't. I can't. I just can't. And so I made a little tool that uh, takes all of their keywords from their course. And it's things like, it, it's keywords like forum and like discussion board and like chat board. It's like, it's like 30 of those terms. And so you take industry terms. So, uh, you know, in one of the examples I went through in the class was like, uh, if you're targeting React developers, what are keywords that they would use? Well, they would use like React and they might use JavaScript and they might use front end framework. And so what my tool does is just take your brainstorm of your industry terms and multiplies them with the set of all of the terms from 30 by 500 so that you get a list of like all of the possible Google searches you could get to find these watering holes. So you get like React forum, React newsletter, React uh, YouTube channel. And then, oh, the next one, JavaScript, JavaScript forum, JavaScript community, JavaScript YouTube channel. Uh, so that's a, a tool that I will link in the show notes uh, or that you'll link. You're, you're doing the show notes now. I'll, that's I'll right. just send you the link. I'm doing the show notes. <laughs> yeah. um, which and... I'm using clips.marketing, which is, makes it very easy to do timestamps and oh, notes. So. Clips.marketing, Chris, <laughs> tell me more. 
<laughs> yeah. It's a tool made by someone who uh, may be on this podcast. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's really great. So, yeah. Well, whoever made that sounds like a cool guy uh, or woman. Who's, who's to say? Uh, cool. Um, so, yes. Okay. So uh, I would suggest as a uh, potential thing forward on that third point of looking to see where and how many questions are being asked about things made of can do to use this or a tool like this of just like go through Google and try to look for watering holes of questions people have. This is, this is a harder thing thinking like productively. That's something that I could see just falling off my to-do list. If I don't have a time bounded, like, you know, Google this for an hour and the, 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 at the end of the hour, what you'll have is just a list of URLs of forums of where people are talking about this. And then, okay, maybe in the second hour, you didn't have a list of at least 10 questions that people ask or 10 problems that people have with Meetup. Uh, and then I would I would have difficulty thinking about how could you install this in the long term of like, you know, is this a thing that you do for an hour every Monday? You you go through your list of the, you know, you, you've refined, now you have your list of the top five places where people complain about this and you, you know to check Quora and you know to check this forum and you know to check Twitter on the tweet deck. Is this a habit that, for an hour once a week, you just loop through all of those. And when you see a juicy complaint that either you can write an article about, or you can post directly in that forum and be like, Hey, actually I made a thing that fixes this, uh, that within that hour you do it. What, what are your thoughts there? How, how do you see being able to do that on an, on an ongoing basis? Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, in sales safari, I think they recommend like the first time you do it. If I remember the blog post, right, it's like 40 to 60 hours of doing it uh, is their recommendation, which is like a week and a half of full-time Is that work. right? That's so much. I, if, if I remember right, maybe maybe it's not. But um, uh, uh, ongoing is interesting. This would be nice. This, this would be where like a tweet deck type style uh, alert if someone posts, mm. you know, a thing would be nice. Uh, I bet that exists. I, you know, I bet there's like a get an email whenever someone asks a core question about whatever topic. Um I smell a trap. Because I think the trap <laughs> if is not. You're gonna find out it doesn't exist. Somebody or should build it, exists, it, but not exactly how you want it. And then you're like, ah, I made this Twitter tool instead. Right. That's exactly what happened to mm-hmm. me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think your your you know spend an hour every Monday or something is, is a good way to do it. Just force yourself okay. you know to a time box, and I, I think that's a pretty cool. solid way. What are are you part of thirty by five hundred? No, uh, okay. I just read other blog posts and stuff. Yeah. It's the same information. Yeah. Um, I think I want to go through that again. I've gone through it like one and a half times. And every time I get something new out of it, and it's it's just nice to like be slowly marching forward. And every time I do it, I'm coming at it with like this new life experience, this new understanding of how business works and uh, things that used to be really challenging and difficult to me. I'm just like, oh my God, how, how did I think this was difficult? Like, of course, this is how it works. Of course, you'd, you'd go and Google communities for it and make content. Oh my gosh, th- so like the, the tool in my tool set now compared to the last time I went through it is like, it's so much easier for me to make content now than it was before. I've made dozens of podcast episodes, hundreds if you include like the the, <laughs> the experiment podcast I did where I was doing one every day. Uh, and like video tutorials are just something that's trivially easy for me now. And so I think something I was scared of before in going through this class is, well, I don't know how to make content and I feel very self-conscious about publishing things and I need it to be perfect. And then I'm just like delaying publishing things. And now I'm just like, who cares? <laughs> just get it out there. And, uh, I have a button on my desk to start recording a webcast and uh, then I start recording and then uh, I hit another button and it processes and uploads to YouTube after I type in a title. Uh, and that's that's not a thing that I had before. So 
I think going through that again, I would be able to churn out much more content, and I think I'm I think I'm much more well positioned to be able to actually be doing their e-bombs and be doing the work of finding the audience. Oh, another thing I used to be really self-conscious of is like not knowing who the audience was for File Inbox and sort of having this fragmented audience of like, well, it's sort of financial people and it's sort of uh, accountants and it's sort of sign printers and I don't know which one of those to choose. And the class is like, ah, you can only pick one and you got to focus on one. And that, I was just agonizing over that of like, well, how do I pick one? And now I got to figure out like, what's the basis to pick one? And I'm like, you know, there's like three or four of them and that covers most of it. I'll just do all four. <laughs> like, there's a lot of overlap between them, but it's fine. It's, I, I would much rather be a little bit fragmented in, in that dimension than just like not do it. Uh, or I could also just pick one and, and do it badly. And like, if I pick the wrong one, that's fine. It's, there are people using it who are in this audience. And so in the worst case, I won't be the most possibly effective that I, that I could be. Uh, and I think that's fine. So I'm, I, I have much less anxiety around that. Um, yeah, cool. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to restart that course this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the key is just keep moving forward. So yeah, just, yeah. you know, you can get paralyzed by who do I pick or what do I write or how do I put content out there, but do, yeah. do the thing and you, you know, you'll, you'll come to some optima pretty quickly. So. Uh, thank you, boss. That's that's the correct thing to do. Uh, I want to hammer this home. Uh, this this last point. I I want to hear like the measurable thing that you're going to do this week to look and see where and how many questions are being asked about things Meetup can't do. Uh, do you want to like g give me a really easy to achieve goal of like you're going to spend an hour just making a list of the forum posts, or you're going to spend an hour doing that and an hour looking for questions. What what feels like a meaningful tasty chunk of work to you that's that you can accomplish this week yeah i think i should spend an hour uh looking for all the different places where people talk about meetup and generally what they you know start pulling out quotes about what they find troublesome uh, so yeah spend cool. an hour yep all right i have three uh things for you then uh as your boss for this week all here right. are your assignments the first is you're going to send at least one email or slack message setting up a call with one of the local friends that you have on meetups just to touch base and get a read of where they are. Uh, and you don't have to have the conversation. You just have to send the Slack email, uh, the Slack message or the, uh, or the email. Uh, that's thing number one. Thing number two, you're going to uh, set up a Twitter alert. But I think you said you already had that on TweetDeck. That, like, yeah. The terms are already I'm there. I'm going to try to right. re redirect Twitter to TweetDeck on Chrome. Perfect. Yep. So the second thing is just redirect Twitter to TweetDeck so that when you type in Twitter, it's going to go to TweetDeck and then it'll pop up with like, oh my gosh, this person's asking a question about it. And you don't have to, you don't have to answer any of the messages. You just have to set up the, the redirect. Uh, and then the third thing is you're going to spend an hour looking to see, uh, look, looking for watering holes uh, and uh, well, I guess that's it. You're going you're gonna to spend an hour looking for watering holes. And through that process, you're going to start exposing yourself to questions. But like, if you just set a timer on your desk for 60 minutes and you stare at Google for an hour, like you would accomplish this tax, task. Uh, but at the end of it, uh, it, it would be nice to have at least one watering hole of like, here's a form where people are asking questions about Meetup. Uh, does that sound manageable does that sound uh sounds great thanks boss does it sound too easy do you want to do you want to up the difficulty um, uh, so in some ways yes but also uh no because i want to make my play place go from seventh to sixth to fifth on, <laughs> on kaggle so most of my That's... time i think will be spent doing that i have the, the next 10 things i want to do in my model i have uh, ready to go and uh so i want to do that which oh i don't want to talk about this too long but um the 
so we talked about Google Colab and some of the reasons why you might build versus just using that. Mm-hmm. The biggest reason is, uh, so Colab, you can run for up to 12 hours, uh, but mm-hmm. they have this undocumented sort of feature where after about 30 minutes, they're like, if you haven't interacted with the page, they say, oh, you must not be there. Let's disconnect your session. Oh. Yeah. And so I tried to run something for like an hour and I went for a walk and I came back and it was like disconnected. And Ugh. there are all these sort of hacks. You can use JavaScript to like make it think you're there. Um, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, such a pain, such a pain. Um, so, but to fix that problem, I'd have to spend, well, okay. So I could pay the spot prices for Amazon or Paperspace or something. Um, yeah. or I could spend about four grand to get, <laughs> to get a new computer to do it myself. Um, which that I, sounds like way more fun. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, I have not done that yet, but, uh, might, might be coming. All right. Cool. <laughs> there, I I feel like with certainty I could say within the next two episodes you're gonna be like so I spent eight thousand dollars <laughs> on this computer and all the parts are strewn on if, my desk and this part is broken and so I remade it myself yeah, and, yeah. yeah. If, oh. if I could get an RTX 3090 at retail price right now I would buy it today um, but they're yeah. they're going at two or three times retail right now because everyone's using them for Ethereum mining so yeah, um, maybe I, that's why I haven't pulled the trigger yet. Which from our last episode, I don't think I understand the economics of. Like, I could see how this could make money if you had hundreds of these. But so the thirty eighty with the thirty eighty, even factoring, and I want the thirty ninety, which is. But with the thirty eighty, you can make some like between ten and twenty dollars a day, even factoring electricity. Okay. So, I think it's are tr- they are their graphics cards that much better than mine? Like, I got mine last year and I thought it was yeah. So the re- tier, I, I yeah. think yours is AMD, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Nvidia has this uh, interface called CUDA. And okay. it basically makes programming way, way easier for the NVIDIA GPUs. So much so that deep learning, for example, doesn't even work on AMD cards. Like it, um, it's no different than a CPU. And so mm-hmm. I suspect that's exactly what's happening with like all the popular coin clients probably o- only really work on NVIDIA cards. That's my guess. Gotcha. I don't mm-hmm. know that for sure, okay. but that's my guess. I suppose I chose my architecture uh, suboptimally for mining crypto. Still works for gaming. So yeah. still works for gaming. Yes. Except mine doesn't. It's been shutting off, hmm. and I can't. I can't figure out why. Yeah, it's fine. Thermal throttling, probably. Yeah, I think so. It's it's running Linux also, and I think the drivers might not be. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Fine. Uh, neat. Anyway, what did you get up to these last two weeks? What did I get up to these last two weeks? So, I had a conversation with uh, I think our mutual friend. Do you know Shy Schechter of Right Message? He's the co-founder with. Brennan Dunn. Yeah, so I know of it, but I don't know him personally. Okay, he's uh, become one of my good friends. We we have weekly chats about like philosophy and life and relationships. And uh, recently, we've been talking more about investing. And crypto has been going crazy, and I I have uh, some investments in crypto that like uh, because that has gone up, it's put me in this new position where like I have some money to figure out where I want to put it. And so we've been talking about what makes the most sense to put it there and uh that that was not a sense <laughs> wait where does it make the most sense to to reallocate this money thinking about all the different places i could put it and so i framed this problem for him of like how do i decide if i have whatever a thousand dollars to spend how do i decide where the most effective place to spend that money is and there's some there's some baseline of that of like, you want to be diversified. You don't want all your eggs in one basket because some things are higher risk, higher rewards. So you want to make sure that you're stable because like the, the stability is the most important thing. 
Uh, but let's say like, you know, you've achieved reasonable stability. You're, you're pretty sure that you're going to have mo enough money for the foreseeable future. And now you just have money to, to play with, to bet with. And so I was thinking like, what is $1,000 worth to me in the stock market? Via the 4% rule, it's kind of worth $40 a year. Uh, so that, that's like the... That's like the baseline of what I would want to get out of a thousand dollars, and I, I could ask that question in a different way of like, how much would I pay? How much would I put in the stock market to be able to get a thousand dollars of annual income? And that would be a thousand divided by 0.04, uh, which is twenty-five thousand. But that's also accounting for inflation. So if we say like eight percent of the stock market, um, that would be like twelve thousand five hundred dollars. So I, I would effectively I would pay. $12,500 to the stock market to be able to get $1,000 a year in income. And I've been playing this game recently called Cashflow by Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, who is so into real estate. He loves real estate and is talking about like, oh my gosh, you can you can buy a house on a mortgage, and the, especially if it's your first mortgage. That's just great. And then you can rent out the house and you, you don't even have to do anything with it. You can just hire a rental company. And you know, for, for $50,000 as a down payment, you can now own this, whatever, $300,000 house that you can then be making like, whatever, $800 a month in passive income. That's, or uh, we'll say $1,000 a month in passive income. So in that respect, you're spending $50,000 to get $1,000 a month or $12,000 a year in the passive income. So I was thinking like in, in the conversation with Shia, like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not doing anything in real estate. And so uh, I should do that. And there's some clever things I could do here of like, uh, glamping is a thing. And for much less than $50,000, you could buy like an RV or a tiny house or like a Airstream or like a yurt and put that on some land. And now for this structure that costs you like $20,000, you can be making a thousand dollars a month. And so, uh, in, in trying to equate all those, the, the question I had was like, how can we put all these things in the same terms so that it's clear to me where it makes the most sense to be putting more money. And then Shai was like, Christian, don't you run a business <laughs> like, <laughs> that's making a lot of money that you have all these advantages in of like, you know how software works and you know how all this works. What, how much money is your business making right now? And I was like, oh, about $7,000 a month. And he was like, what would it take to grow that by like 5% per month? And I was like, well, not very much because that's, you know, uh, what, 700 divided by two. That's like $350 more per month of passive income. I'm like, that's like two or three more customers, depending on what price they're on. And if I had a month to do that, my gosh, that, that seems incredibly easy. And then I was thinking, okay, how much, how much is it worth to me to be making $1,000 more per month in the business? Like how much, how much would I spend on file inbox in order to raise MRR by $1,000? And this is where <laughs> I felt so dumb that like, I just hadn't thought through this math, I guess. But like in thinking about how much money I would spend to raise MRR by $1,000, well, I think I, it would be a very safe bet to spend like what I would make in the next year to, to make that $1,000 back, which is $12,000. And if I'm thinking about like, okay, I, I can raise MRR, how might I raise MRR by $1,000 a month? Uh, for $12,000. Is there any way that I could spend $12,000 to raise MRR by $1,000? And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, there's, 
there's thousands of things I could do. I could buy ads and I could hire a developer to make WordPress plugins and I could like do all these things. And I don't know if I just didn't allow myself to think of it this way, but I feel like I've been, I've been handicapping myself with the, the way that I've been thinking about this business as like, I don't think I've been thinking of it as an investment. I think I've been thinking of it as like, I don't know, this thing that I did that's magical that I can't do anything to grow. Uh, but in thinking about that even, like the money that I have invested in the stock market, I'm effectively buying other people's businesses. And so how many layers of indirection are there between me and the person actually making the money? This is an opportunity I have where I own the business directly. So it's not just the $12,000. It's like, okay, well, churn is only five-ish percent. I'm probably, if I raise MRR by $1,000, that's probably going to go into year two and year three and a, a little bit into like year five. Um, so it's worth much more than $12,000. And also, I own the business. It's not just that I'm getting the income from the business. It's like for every $1,000 that increases, like we were talking about, MRR valuations are, you know, like five times. Uh, or, five times or five a ARR. Or yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, ARR. So so if I make $1,000 more, let's, let's do a... a conservative estimate if i raise mrr by a thousand dollars a month that's now twelve thousand dollars per year times a 5x valuation is sixty thousand dollars so like what have i been doing <laughs> like, it it sure sounds like i could spend something like eighty thousand dollars to raise mrr by a thousand dollars and that would be you know uh, way on the side of spending a lot of money and it may very well be that like i can't spend that money to raise mrr and uh, I think there's a lot of risk in that that I'm not talking about, but my gosh, it, it sure sounds like the most straightforward trade in the world to, to be doing uh, a smaller amount than that, that like, if I can spend, I don't know, $5,000 to raise MRR by $1,000, like, I think I'd do that as many times as I possibly can, as long as I can afford it, uh, that like, that is the, the best place for me to be spending money to be making more money. So that's where I am now. <laughs> and so I have a list of things that I would like to bounce off of you with this lens of like looking at this as an investment. Uh, so being much more liberal in spending money. If there's for any of these things, I don't need to be the person doing it. I can hire someone else to do it if, if I don't want to do it or if hiring someone else would get it done faster. Um, and uh, it's, uh, I got some things I'd like your hot takes on. All right. Uh, looking at this as an investment. Yeah. Uh, so b before that, there's two resources that you could check out. Because, yeah, you were talking yeah. about cash flow the whole time. And all I was thinking was, how much does this raise your, your business? Like we were talking about the, with the sell, sale of a business. Like how much does it yeah. raise your value of your business? There's two yeah. microconf talks. One is by Patty Olivin, Patrick McKinsey, uh, about when he sold his business. Um, more than half of his returns, it was something like two-thirds of his returns, came at the sale of the business. <laughs> like, so, wow. yeah, it's like like the whole value of his business, like half the value was right at the end. Um, wow. And then the other one is by Jordan Gal, who uh, talked about how he made free content and then drove ads to the free content. And he spent something like $6,000 or something like on ads and raised the, the value of the corporation, the value of the business by like $600,000 or something yep. like that because of the <laughs> yep. math. Um, the math is just... I just read that article. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, right, the yes. math is just nuts. <laughs> And yeah. so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm glad you came to that realization. Yeah. say I did the same, uh, math when I first started to get some money from my first job, I was like, I could like do this, do the thing, you know, get a, a rental unit, right. And rent it out. Mm -hmm. Um, but almost anything I do in software is probably going to have outsized returns over real estate. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, so I never did that, but all right. I'm excited to hear your ideas. I need to be channeling more. 
Jordan Gall. <laughs> That's yeah. The the I have the article below up here, and we'll link it in the show notes. Uh, which means I'm going to send it to you, and then you're going to link it. Right. How, how great is that? Uh, the uh, the numbers are he he wrote five blog posts uh, that he didn't even write himself. He hired audience ops to write those blog posts by uh, oh Cash Jam. What Brian Brian Castle Castle Brian Castle. has that company. Yep. Yeah. This is such an insular group. I love it. <laughs> it's, like, it's a very small world. Uh, so he spent $4,000 in Facebook ads and then turned that into an additional $348,000 okay. in ARR, which he then goes on to calculate like oh, yeah, times five. millions of dollars. Yeah. yeah. In, in, increased the value of Carthook by somewhere between $1 and $2 million. So he turned $4,000 into $2 million. Like, yes, that's what I want to do. <laughs> that's, can I do that multiple times? Can I do that every day? That would be great. Uh, okay, so here are, with that framing, these are the things that immediately popped into my mind of like, here are some projects that I think may increase the valuation of Filing Box. Thing number one, I'm already feeling like this is not a place to put effort, but I, it, it may make sense in this framing of like that I could, I could justify outsourcing it. I really want to transition to serverless. I, like entirely. I want to, I want to ditch Rails. I want to rewrite the parts of the app that I need to to get this entirely onto Firebase. Firebase scales infinitely if I can just take that infrastructure and move it over. So like this this I think is where I have felt the most limited in this business because there's always this little voice in the back of my head when I'm thinking about marketing of like, oh man, if this is successful, that would actually be bad because more people would be using it and there's some cheatsy cheating that you've done in architecting this. Uh, it's running on two VPS servers uh, that get overloaded like once a month and you get these emails from Honeybadger saying that the, the servers uh, crashed, but they rebooted because it's, it's this whole thing on Doku and uh, so it's fine. But like, if this became really successful, this would be a lot more infrastructure stuff and setup that you'd have to do to, to fix it. And so, uh, for that reason, to, to make it so that like that is never an issue ever again, uh, I want it to be serverless so that it just scales with usage. And that would also open up uh, some new, but that, that, would be a, that would be a better foundation to be building new features on uh, because I could do things like increase the file size to something ridiculous. Right now it's a maximum file size of about two gigabytes. Uh, I could theoretically increase the maximum file size to two terabytes. Hmm. Uh, and that's not something that like would be impossible to do in the current infrastructure, but architecting it with that in mind and architecting it with the, the six years of experience I've had running this business in mind, I could make something much cleaner that I felt much better about uh, pushing forward development and uh, it, it would feel much better. Uh, and like that has felt like the, the, the last time I was talking about file inbox, this is the project I was talking about. Uh, and it feels like I have to justify it because from a business perspective, it doesn't seem like it makes sense. It seems like you have a thing that's working that people are already using, like just do that and deal with scaling problems as they happen. Scaling problems are going to happen no matter what. Uh, and it feels limiting. It feels like, ah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with this point. What's your hot take? Yeah. So this is exactly what I'm feeling with meeting place too. There's some things on the back end, um, plus it's in bootstrap and I want it in tailwind. Um, mm -hmm. It does not make sense 
uh, from a business perspective at all. You and I are both blowing out of proportion how much this actually impacts the the um, rest of like the future of the business. Uh, however, we do not have teams that we can uh, rely on to push us forward even when things don't make sense. And so mm-hmm. I can see it both hamper, it's hampering both of us, like it's stopping us from moving ahead in the business when... So from that perspective, it is exactly the thing that we should do first. Um, okay. It does not make sense. It will not make uh, you know revenue go up. It probably you're probably overblowing the problems with it. Um, however, you will not be able to proceed unless you do it. Same thing with my backend things. Uh, therefore, it should be the first thing that you do. Um, yeah, definitely. I'm giving you permission to ignore okay. all business reason and just do it. Cool. Thank you, boss. <laughs> that's that's magnanimous of you. That's I think that's what I needed to hear. Okay. Cool. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'll just do it. I'll stop fretting about it and I'll just do it and it's fine. I think something else that I get caught up on is like trying to design the ideal framework. I think I, I get caught up in this idea of like, oh, if I just spent another month chewing on this, I, I could come up with even better ideas for how to architect this and it'd be even better. But like, no, <laughs> it's, I shouldn't even be doing this at all, but it does make sense to do it because it's a thing that's bothering me and, uh, for, for the way that I want to run this business, it makes sense to invest at this layer. Uh, and it's not going to be perfect, and it's never going to be perfect, but, like, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that would be done by just doing it and being done and going to the next thing. Yeah. Uh, there's so many things I've learned about software development since I made this code base. Some of this code is, like, seven years old. And I look back at code that I wrote last week yeah. thinking, like, what idiot wrote this? <laughs> what was he thinking? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. You can do it so much easier. You can do this 100 lines and two lines, and it's better and handles more use cases. Uh, so, like, it's – the term code rot, I think, is yep. useful here of just, like, it's, it's old and I don't like it and I want to redo it, and I'm going to think the same thing about the code that I'm going to write in another year, and that's fine. That's just how it is. And yeah. I'm just going to go forward. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Whatever you write now to replace it, know that in a year you're going to look back and hate that too. Yeah. <laughs> but you will have a, but you will have gotten over the hump and have a year worth of improvement. Where the other yeah. choice is you do nothing and then do nothing for a year. Yep. You know, and you still have the same problem. So yes. yeah, read, redo it. Let's do it. Let's move forward. Uh, cool. Okay. Thing number two. Uh, this is actually an idea that I got from Jordan Gall in uh, the last conversation I had with him. Which is that I could make plugins for every site building app. So like I could have the file inbox plugin for WordPress and I could be on the WordPress store and it could just be a really simple WordPress written in PHP. That's like, it, it effectively just like slots in my plugin uh, with the, the line of JavaScript that I need and stuff. And I could do that on Shopify and I could do that on Squarespace and every, every website building thing that has a platform I could have a plugin for that. That's just a one-click install, and now you can drag and drop files. A difficulty that I have in the space is uh, I hate PHP, <laughs> specifically for WordPress. Like I don't, I don't think I want to make that plugin, but I could figure it out. Uh, but the the bigger problem is that I am not really familiar with what is good on these platforms. Like I have never used them. The one time that I've used WordPress, I hated it, and I was like, I'll just make my own thing. This sucks. Um, and I'm not quite sure how to tackle that. I, I think this is potentially a really good problem to throw money at, uh, of like, maybe I hire a WordPress plugin developer who has good taste and be like, Hey, for step one of this job, I would love if you just sketch out what you think this would look like ideally. 
like I don't even know what it looks like to install a WordPress plugin. And so the the alternative to that would be I think I could spend time to just like pretend like I'm someone setting up a WordPress site uh, and install some plugins and try to develop some taste of like what makes a good plugin or bad plugin. And I'm sure in the process of that, I'll come up with ideas that I, I can't even see yet of like, oh my gosh, you know, WordPress, I don't know, has this concept of forms and here's here's a deeper integration I could make where I integrate with a form on WordPress and, and uh, put files in that. And the same is true of like each one of these platforms. Uh, I know nothing about Shopify. And so, you know, do, do I hire someone to help orient me on that in Shopify? Do I do that? And then also set up a Shopify store. Uh, but the, the play I think of like just getting file inbox in all of these stores uh, is a way that I could very easily spend something like five thousand dollars to increase mrr by a thousand dollars uh probably for each of those stores uh what's your hot take on that yeah so totally fantastic idea you should definitely do it um there are a few things one is like um so shopify for example if you write a shopify plugin i think they're pushing really hard and may even make a requirement now that you have to use shopify billing also or something like that okay. um so uh, th there are things like that probably for every store. And so I would definitely talk to someone who has built plugins for each of those before. Um, one great way to do it would be to, so microconf remote has, uh, I don't know if you're in their Slack, you know, uh, workspace or whatever. Um, but just go on there and say, you know, has anyone done a, you know, WordPress plugin before? I'd love to mm -hmm. buy you lunch on Grubhub to talk to you for half an hour, you know, about whatever. Um, yeah. uh, so that's probably where I would start. Um, another one is, uh, so, uh, uh, the software social podcast. Um, do you listen to that one? Um, I don't. Software social dev. I think it is. Yeah, software social dev. Um, uh, she's building a file uploader uh, on the Heroku store. So, oh, cool. yeah, I would go listen to some of those. Uh, she talks about you know different problems. Um, so uh, that's uh, Colleen. That's uh, so Colleen Michelle are the two. And oh, I had a call with her the other day. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So call her again and say, what are all the problems you have with file uploaders in Heroku? Anyway, because um, Heroku yeah. might be a good place for this also, the Heroku store. Yeah. Um, yeah, so do that. Uh, yeah, WordPress is a... Wait, Colleen and I are targeting different demographics. I think she's yes. going after like the... De uh, developers. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm more of the front end users. Uh, but yeah, we, we talked that, all about weird. that in like the back end. And, right. Yeah, cool. Okay, cool. Um, I, had, I didn't even think about asking her like how to get on the Heroku store. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll ask her about that. Um, and what a small world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Amazing. And I think WordPress would be fantastic too. I think, I think WordPress would be a home run for sure. Um, yeah. But you probably need someone who knows how to build a good WordPress plugin to do it right. You mm -hmm. probably don't need that much PHP because I think yours is going to be a lot of front end work calling your servers, right? And mm -hmm. probably a little PHP to like install it as a plugin. I, I don't know anything about WordPress, but um, yeah. yeah. I think it like the surface level imp implementation that I could do on each of these stores is just like the plugin inserts a line of JavaScript. Right. And the little HTML tag that tells me what the page is. Yeah. Uh, and that would be trivially easy. But then there's some things on Heroku, like you can buy the product through Heroku. I don't yes. fully understand how that works. Yeah. I mean, and then it's like the one click and they already have your billing. Yeah. In. But that'd be, um, that'd be slick. But yeah, I, I would pick one of those stores and get it in one. Okay. Um, and, and then go from there. Neat. Okay. I like that. I'm going to pick one and get it in one. And I, I think I'll do a combination. I'll do like a call with an expert to orient myself uh, of just to get the lay of the land, um, which I've sort of already done, did this with uh, Jordan Gall because he has his, uh, he's big on Shopify. His uh, card hook was 
built like as a Shopify plugin. Yeah. But but I think he moved off. I mean, he's not. He didn't move off of Shopify. He got out of their store, right? Because yeah. they required him to do billing through Shopify. Like so, like his company's big enough now that he didn't want to deal with that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think a lot of people were kind of upset about when Shopify yeah. required that. Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm small and agile, and I think I'll look at that integration and. Yeah, I, I, like it's it's a pro and a con. It's a con of like it's more work and it's yeah. a pro because there's a bigger moat now. And if I'm on the inside of the moat, great for me. Right, <laughs> true. It's uh, it's even better. Okay, okay. Uh, I could see this being a place where I get stuck of just like decision paralysis of trying to pick one. So I think I'm just going to pick one. Yeah. Uh, I think it makes sense to do any of these. I think definitely some are going to be better than others. And I think the only way for me to learn which are better than others is just to do them. So... Uh, for this next week, I'm going to try my best to get something on Shopify. Great. That's, I've decided arbitrarily that's, we're, we're just going to go for it, <laughs> try to do it. And next week I might say, wow, that billing thing is a pain. I'm not going to do that. Uh, cool. Okay. Uh, next thing for the hot take. I have noticed in a lot of the calls that I have with some of my better customers on file inbox, they ask me about integrations with OneDrive and SharePoint. Right now I do Dropbox and Google Drive. This is a technical thing in the category of like, it would be made much easier after I transition to serverless because like a big part of the infrastructure is going to change and uh, I'll have better models for being able to make integrations easier. And I've known that I need to do that for years, that like that's a place where I could be making more money. Uh, by spending uh, the equivalent of $5,000. And I think what might make sense here is like once I've established, once I've rebuilt the app to be serverless, I might just have like a protocol of for each additional integration, here's the protocol that it needs to follow. It needs to be a serverless function that can run in JavaScript on uh, the, the Google Cloud function uh, serverless architecture and you're going to receive a job and the JSON for the job is going to look like this. And here's how you access the file stream. And then I don't care about the implementation details, but just like get the file moved over and then report back to me its status. And the status needs to be one of these four states. Uh, and here's how you report back the status. And if I could get to that point, this is something I'd love to throw money at instead of time. Like I would love to to, to actually get to the point where I'm spending $5,000 of money instead of $5,000 of time to be doing features like this. Because then I could like hire a developer and say, okay, here's the protocol. I certainly could figure out the OneDrive or SharePoint APIs and I am not going to. <laughs> instead, here is some money and a very detailed project spec and like, I don't know. Maybe I even write the test cases for it. Uh, or maybe I say like, this is you're, you're writing the test cases, but like they need to look like this. Here are the states that you need to check. And that would then open up the bandwidth of like, okay, if I've set up that foundation, now maybe I spend $15,000. That number sounds so high. Oh my gosh. But like now I integrate with everything. And now every every cloud thing $15,000 doesn't sound like a lot, though, in the context of investing. Like, nope. If I'm talking about, you know, $50,000 for a down payment of a house, okay. It's entirely, <laughs> this is a mental game of just like, yep. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, so I established the baseline. I say, like, this is what a plugin needs to look like. And then I hire developers to make each individual integration. Uh, and I just systematize, like, an integration needs to have a button to be able to link your account, and it needs to support those states. And that that feels like a mandible thing. And then, so, higher level from a, a business perspective, I think this is a worthwhile place to go because... Dropbox and Google Drive are more consumer-ish cloud storages. I don't think there's any individuals using SharePoint. And I think if I do this exact same service integrated with SharePoint, I'm going to get a lot more and a lot better customers. What's your hot take? Yeah. So um, I think it's a, a, also a good idea. Uh, if you try to do all three of these at once, I think you're going to drop the ball somewhere. So what I would focus yep. on is the first the first two for now. So yep. transitioning to serverless and uh, Shopify integration. Um, yep. And then once you have your serverless stuff done and you feel better about it, especially because as soon as you switch to SharePoint, you're probably getting bigger files um, and more of them. You know, people are going to be transferring mm -hmm. around business kind of files, which can be big. Um, but I, I agree that it probably means more enterprise kind of clients, which can pay you more and last longer and stuff like that. I think it's a great mm -hmm. direction to go. Um, but I would do the first two first because um, I think you can do Shopify and the serverless stuff in parallel, probably, um, whereas yeah. SharePoint feels like a once you have the serverless stuff done, then you can figure yep. out how to do the SharePoint stuff better. That's my guess. Yep, yep. Cool. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. I think <laughs> I think what I've come to, I have five more things that I could talk about, and I don't think I need to. I think I think the answer is going to be very similar. Of like, I know what to do next. Yep. <laughs> I just need to do it. Uh, yeah. I just need to do it. That's fine. Good. And then I can move forward on the plugin at the same time that I'm doing serverless because that I don't think that part of it is going to change. Like I'm just embedding a uh, JavaScript. Yeah, the JavaScript's going to be the same either way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And then I'm looking at these. All these other features are going to be easier once it's serverless and also the user rewritten in React. Okay. And then I stole your idea for the tweet tech notification. I could do that for share file. I will do that uh, right after this podcast. Okay. Okay. So here's what I'm doing for next week. All right. I can't transition to serverless because that's that's not a that's not a thing that is yeah. defined. Uh, I'm going to have a. I'm not going to change the backend this week. Like it's still going to be running on Rails. But I would like to send you a file inbox URL. So it's going to be like fileinbox.com slash cgenco. And from your perspective, it's going to look the same as it does right now. You drag and drop the file in, and it says the file is uploaded. And on the back end, that's going to be running through the Firebase serverless architecture. Is that a... Is that a doable thing? That's a doable thing. I, I think okay. so, because you did half of that before. <laughs> I seem to remember. Yeah, I did. I yeah. did. I just need to put the two pieces together. Yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, yeah, and that's that's what I'm going to do for next week. So that, that's that first point. Uh, and then for the Shopify plugin, uh, I don't know. I'm going <laughs> to... I don't know how to push that forward, but it, it's like a chunkable... Yeah, if I were to be making a Shopify plugin, I would have uh, sign up for Shopify and get one, uh, make a dummy plugin that shows Hello World, right? Make a Hello World kind of dummy plugin show up on your own Shopify store. That's what I would do. 
Perfect. My guess is that is follow some tutorial, <laughs> which yep. will make you do that. Cool. So next week I will have a dummy Shopify plugin that says hello world. Uh, great. And that, that'll involve like setting up a Shopify. Yeah. I'm just going to go through a tutorial. Uh, and then my third thing is I'm going to set up a tweet deck notification for share file. Uh, and if I think of any other things like that, and I'm just going to set it up, I'm not going to reply to anything. I don't think I'm even going to set up the redirect because I find myself going to TweetDeck about as much as I do Twitter. Well, that's not true. No, I'll also set up the redirect. But I also want to go to Twitter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just going to set up the notification. <laughs> and uh, that's all I'm going to do. And uh, Yeah, cool. All right, great. Uh, I think you said that we have a listener hot take. Do you want to do I, that? Well, I did, but we're already past an hour. So... Oh, we are. I had the idea that we could put it out there. So, yes, a listener uh, uh, wrote in with a hot take that they wanted us to cover. Um, so if you are listening and you want us to hot take your business idea, then why don't you contact one of us and uh, we will do some listener hot takes next next week. How does that sound? Perfect. That sounds great. Why? My camera's freaking out. Your camera is freaking out. Uh, my camera is ready for this episode to be over. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. That's all I have for this week. That's all I have to. Then I will see you next time. Goodbye. Right, bye.